Coming up in the nick of time, Cameron Johnson makes his return to the practice court and will be ready for regular season action. Does Jacques Vaughn have a minutes restriction on him? And just how critical is this young man's return with that massive contract to the Brooklyn Nets lineup? We dive in coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Nori. I am Adam Armbrecht. We thank you not only for making us your first listen of the day, but for finding us on all those free platforms. And also let you know that if you get over right now and go to joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Nets, you're going to be joining the Locked On Nets insiders. Exclusive updates around game day lineups, matchups, things that we're looking for, key statistics. It's all there for you. Plus, an extra dose of Doug Nori and yours truly, Adam Armbrecht, texting back and forth with you. Free 14-day trial on jointsubtext.com slash LockedOnNets. And we remind you that today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code LockedOnNBA for $20 off your first purchase. And Doug... Here we are, the precipice, the, the edge of the cliff where NBA action begins and we get a little gift. They say Christmas doesn't come early, but today it did. Cameron Johnson back on the floor, ready to play for the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, just in time. I mean, he didn't play all preseason, getting a little worried uh, sort of around his status. Every time, you know, we have a little PTSD around any time a Nets injury report goes a day longer than previously expected, right? So we've been down this road many times. So when Cam doesn't play for the preseason, you have to start worrying a little bit just considering how important he is for the team, <clears throat> excuse me, and how important he is getting choked up about him returning and the just how important it is for the team and how, frankly, they just need like his specific skill set with the way the team is formulated as of this moment, um, and which we'll get into over the course of this episode. He's a really, really important dude for just so many reasons. I, like he's just kind of, it just seems like a great dude also. So just chemistry wise also. So to get the news that he's going to be returning in time for the first game, um, there's a little, little, you know, wind in the sails there for, for Nets and Nets fans, I think going into the season. Well, and we should, we should also provide the, uh, the, the background information that once upon a time, Cameron Johnson was supposed to play in the preseason, right? That was sure. initially, it's not a big deal. There's not a lot to worry about here. He was obviously a part of the FIBA tournament along with Mikhail Bridges, but that wasn't as taxing necessarily on him as his role diminished there. So a little tweak, but he gets back out there on the practice court. So ultimately, if you're going to be on the floor for a regular season action, that's all we really care about. And when we discuss, though, first his return and what that's going to look like for the Nets, we go ahead and reference our good friend Eric Slater, friend of the show. He's been on the podcast. Good guy. He had Jock Vaughn at, uh, addressing, excuse me, what the intention would be around how many minutes to expect from Cameron Johnson on opening night and the beginning of the season here. Quote, I will be smart with it, said Coach Vaughn. He had no preseason games, even though he has a baseline underneath him from playing with USA Basketball this summer. It'll be a uh, it's been a while since he's been out there in a competitive game. So I'll be smart with how he looks. It won't be long stretches. I think that'd be our approach. So this is still going to be a little dose of what we saw in the final preseason game. I, I'm going to assume, Doug, you you push back if you think it's somebody else. Dorian Finney-Smith in the starting lineup, the one to one replacement when needed for Cameron Johnson, though the symbolic start for, for Cam is probably coming here, I would assume. 
You would think. I mean, I think we're probably looking 15 to 19 minutes, something like that. Like whatever, whatever around that first preseason game was for the starters, it was. I think it was somewhere in that range, right? It was. Yeah, I mean, Mikhail played 15 in the first game, so and against the Lakers in that warm up. Uh, I think that's probably the expectation. There's no reason to rush this where the Nets are as a team and where Cameron Johnson is a, as a player. I, I don't. I, I do think probably in the starting lineup. Um, although I wouldn't be shocked if he came off the bench. So I don't know. I don't think they officially announced that. Um, no. but I think, yeah, so, but I think, I think it just doesn't make sense. Like why not just start him? Like he's part of that group. I don't think it makes sense to like start messing around with early. Although, you know, you can see the case for bringing him in. Sometimes the, the thing about bringing a guy in off the bench sometimes is not so much that it's like better health wise. It's a bit better. To, it's a bit easier to manage the minutes, right? Sometimes coaches yeah. get in their own way with this kind of thing where it's like, oh, you know, best laid intentions when it comes to how many minutes a guy is supposed to play. And then when they play those first that first rotation five six minutes well you can't get those back right so like and right. that the one reason why you see people bring guys in off the bench i think is because it's just to save coaches from themselves it's like you just can't play the first six minutes so right. whatever happens after this it, like you know you, you don't play the first six minutes of the first half and the second half so long story short i do think that with cam and we're gonna get into like the impact that he has mm-hmm. on both sides of the court but just getting this news I think it's been a really, really positive preseason for the Nets overall. Uh, I think we've liked a lot of the stuff we've seen. We've liked um, just some of the changes that they made. There's some wait and see aspects to, to their game for sure. But to get the team minimum, just fully healthy, all on the court, best foot mm-hmm. forward, Cam was going to have to be part of that to really feel it. And just having him come back is just, it's just, just in time. So I think it's, it's just really, really good news from a team perspective. Yeah, and he also, Cameron Johnson, that is, discussed his return to the court and what he sees because we didn't get to see the sample size, right? You're hearing from players talking about Ben Simmons, Spencer Dinwiddie championing, you know, Nick Claxton in the next step in his game coming into this season. But when he was asked, Cameron Johnson, about looking out on the court and what he thinks is going to be there, uh, we look big on the court, he said. We have a lot of size, length, athleticism. Ben adds that unique element of some of somebody big, strong, can handle the ball, can push the ball, finds open shooters. And if we can just play on that, Use that to our advantage, just feeding off of them and finding our spots, finding spots. I think it could be a recipe for success. And that part right there is what will dovetail us into why Cameron Johnson is so critical. The skill set and the stat for this team overall that matters so much. And it really does involve playing off the way Ben Simmons orchestrates and sets the table for everyone. We'll dive in on those stats coming up next. Before we get to that, I'll tell you about our friends over at Game Time. When you're buying tickets, concert, sporting event, play, anything out there, you don't want you want it to be fun. It's supposed to be fun, not frustrating. Buying tickets sometimes can take the fun out of the entire experience just because you're trying to figure out if you're getting the best price. You're trying to figure out what the seat is going to look like. You're trying to figure out if you're just going to be even go- be able to go to the event and get what you need. Game Time has solved all of this for you. Last minute tickets. They got flash deals. They got zone deals. It's easy to find everything on the app. You can buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. You're going to see the seats in the venue, the exact seats, what it's going to look like, stage court, whatever, from the app as well. Game Time has this whole ticket buying experience solved right now. If you go over to Game Time, still time, folks, 1025, Wednesday, 730. There's a little something happening at Barclays that night. You guessed it. That's Cavs. It's happening there. Game Time has tickets right now starting at $41. Go get in on the Game Time action right now. Take the hassle out of buying tickets. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. 
Again, create an account, redeem the code locked on NBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. All right, so as we continue the conversation of the return of one Cameron Johnson to the court, why does it matter so darn much? Why was this man given a four-year massive contract to play for the Brooklyn Nets? It's because the three-point shooting matters, Doug. It matters in a big way for this team. And I want to get to the two-way play uh, that that he can have on this roster as well, obviously, on the defensive end. But it starts on the offensive end. It starts with a three-point shooting for him. Look, the Nets need as much spacing as they can get at this point. If you're going to start Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton together, you need you need shooters. It's not this is not rocket science. This is not new. The math on this is mostly solved, right? In terms of like what modern NBA teams need to really excel at high levels. It doesn't need to be you don't need five shooters. You don't need to always play five out. And you know, you don't, it doesn't, there's no perfect combination. I mean, there are probably perfect combinations, but there's no exact right way to do it. And that's really aren't afforded the opportunity here to mix and match at this thing perfectly just because of the, who they have. That being said, if you are going to start Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton together, Cam Johnson does represent something like sort of like close for his money, the kind of guy yeah. that you need to have around them, like a, a good, a excellent floor spacer. He's been an incredible three point shooter for most of his career, right? Dropped off a little bit when he came to Brooklyn last year, down to 37%. He's right around 40% for his career. So, and, and I expect that to tick back up here um, for reasons that we'll get into, but in terms of like the kind of player, the nets need length and space, plus being able to like initiate some offense, action, offensive actions and other things. Cameron Johnson, like kind of like, Again, for the money, like, you know, who's the other guy? Like Steph Curry, right? Like, there's other guys you'd rather put. Yeah, or, you know, <laughs> I'm saying, like, in, yeah, right. I'm trying to be realistic here. It's like, oh, okay, I put Curry, like, you know, on all these other guys around them. But in the, in the world of realism and the world of just sort of what the Nets currently have on the roster, they really don't have a lot of other guys like him. Mm. And so when it comes to that spacing that they're going to need around Claxton and Simmons, Johnson just represents – like a sort of like an immediate impact, I think, um, in terms of in terms of like maintaining enough space to operate in the modern NBA. Yeah, yeah, you have to you have to agree with it, and you have to understand that the way that the the Nets have built themselves out now with Ben Simmons being the orchestrator of this offense, it's about the collapsing defense in the paint and finding the open shooters. Right? We spent a lot of time this offseason talking about everybody, but Spencer Dinwiddie, okay, is he going to be suited for this role? Cam Thomas when he comes in off the bench, all these things. But but so much of it, using Spencer Dinwiddie as the example, well, he's never really been a great three-point shooter with consistency, except for that time when he was playing with Luka. So you, you, you drill down on the guys that you're saying, well, can you get to this place? Cameron Johnson, yeah. it's, you're at that place. You are that guy, right. and this is what you need to do. And I'll even extend it beyond why his three-point shooting, you know, just beyond what Ben Simmons is and how they want to run their offense. It matters for Mikhail Bridges in a big way too, right? Because while Mikhail Bridges is also an outside shooter, He's also a guy that likes that mid-range game. He likes to get inside the arc and work towards the paint. If you have those collapsing defenses on Ben Simmons and everyone wants to congest, those outside guys need to get them to expand back out away from the paint so that you have the other options, right? Yeah. So I just, him being, I don't know, we know Ben Simmons and his health is most critical. Mikhail Bridges and what we know he is as a player is most critical. If you take Cameron Johnson off this team for a significant portion at any time this season, I think you would see a dramatic drop-off in production and in expectations on the offensive end of the floor. 
Yeah, for sure. Like, again, like, so it's one thing to be a space, uh, a floor spacing, just shooter, right? Like a three, we'll call them three and D specialists. I think sure. we would put like Dorian Finney Smith into that group. Uh, there's just, they're all over the NBA. The, like this, this class of guys that's cropped up in the last you know decade of just guys that have two sort of specific skills, which is to be able to play really, really good defense and be able to hit corner threes and space the floor just enough to make your defender not be able to help off, right? Like that's mm -hmm. a pretty core component. Now there's a next level up of that guy, which is the guy who can play defense and can also floor space, but can also score just enough to really tax the defense um, in terms of like, you can take someone off the dribble, you can get to the rim, you can have the ball in your hand. You can probably run like a little two man. You can run a little pick and roll um, or just at least like two man actions with them. You can essentially trust them to have the ball in their hands for more, like for more than like the PJ Tucker, please just shoot right away or do nothing else. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, like shoot no, right no, away. No, no, or no. Just... Pass it or shoot. Exactly. Pass it or shoot. Right. And the great news is that Cameron Johnson is that guy. Like he's just in between now it's, He's probably he's a step below some of the elite elite guys, and that's why he makes twenty three point you know twenty five million this year with a dis basically you know descending money, and not thirty five million a year or right. so, you know that the offseason could have commanded from a guy who can do like the next level up from where he is now. But in terms of like top hundred, top seventy five players and guys that can do the certain things that the Nets need to do, like he does represent this. And I, it's just, it is really, really important. Now I do think that Nets fans probably like overrated him a bit, a bit. And that comes with sort of just like the way the team is constructed. It's fine. It's fine. But in terms of like what I, I think we, I, I do wonder what the conversation we'd be having around this team would be if he had played this whole preseason, <laughs> right? Because yeah, of yeah. all the ways that we wanted to see certain things fit together, it was a bump. It was a bummer to not be able to get him out there for 20, 35 minutes with that core group of guys, 40 minutes with that core group of guys. Because I wonder if our expectations for the team would be like one, even one step higher. And we're going to get into our season long expectations here in the next episode. But I wonder if they'd be like a, just a tick higher because of what he represents. Yeah, it was I mean, in that sense, then maybe it's good that he wasn't playing this preseason because then yours truly would be going eh, it's a little extra tick, maybe a little, a little too high. Well, but but, but I, I think to you know, just what you're speaking to is like, but there's the world where if you saw it, everyone might agree with 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 what this offense can look like with consistency and how they can be a little bit more productive. The one thing I'll point out too with him that we saw last year, I remember going back and doing this in the offseason, comparing everything he did in Phoenix to the 27 games in Brooklyn, one thing that he did more was attack at the basket. He didn't yeah. really, it was, I'm going to shoot from the outside and I'm going to get at the rim. There wasn't as much mid-range game as you maybe would have thought he could have leaned into. He got at the basket. He is one of the better players finishing at the rim. He is an efficient player attacking downhill. And I actually think, we talk about the outside shooting with Ben Simmons on the floor. I think getting out and running in transition. Cameron Johnson is another guy that you can trust and rely on, maybe, as you referenced before. Not, not a knock on Dorian Finney-Smith, but Cameron Johnson's the next little bit of that version of player that affords you to say, get out, get out in space, run in transition, and know you have the athleticism and ability to take a guy one-on-one -on -one if necessary and get at the rim here. So I really I cannot stress enough, and you, you mentioned it there, had he played cameron johnson this preseason i think we would at least be more confident in the level of consistency this offense can play with understanding there's still a long way to go for them in figuring out how they're going to fit together coming up here in a second doug let's not only talk about the defensive end of the floor and that impact 
But how does Cameron Johnson being back in this rotation impact the expectations for the other players on this team? And we'll also take a look at some of those combinations and how those net ratings bear out positive results. All right, before we get to that, we'll tell you about our friends over at FanDuel. There's never been a better time to jump into the action on FanDuel. That's because right now on FanDuel, new customers are going to get $200 in bonus bets. All you have to do is make a $5 real money bet. And don't worry about what happens with that $5 real money bet either because you're still getting the $200 back in bonus bets no matter what. That's just what FanDuel is offering you right now. It's just crazy. Go find better deals than this. You're just not going to be able to do it. You can jump over on FanDuel right now. You might be not going to want to see this, okay? And if you're really believing in where the Nets are this season, then this is actually even better time to go over there because right now Nets are plus two and a half going into that first game against Cleveland on opening night, plus 118. If you think they're just going to take it down outright, get your $5 in on, you're getting the two, again, you're getting the $200 no matter what. Get the five in on some Nets love right there. Plus three and a half, maybe a little plus 118. Right now, go to FanDuel. Uh, they got the spreads, player props, over-unders, and much more. FanDuel.com slash locked on. You can kick off the season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL and NBA. All right, before we switch our attention over to the defensive end and talk about some combinations, one last offensive note from you, Dugster, on Cameron Johnson's game. Oh, yeah, just going back to something you had said before about taking guys off the dribble. One thing we saw in the last preseason game against the Heat, which I think we saw much more, and maybe it's like the lack of the – although Bam was on the court. Um, one thing we saw much more, which is going to be critical, critical for the Nets to be able to do this year, is their initial point of attack guy has to beat their primary defender off the dribble, right? Like, they not even yes. beat them off the dribble. They have to get into – something of recovery mode for that defender mm -hmm. to be able to tax the defense. And we saw a little bit more of that in this game. And that's why the spacing actually looked a lot better. It's it, look, it's one thing to say, Oh, we have spacing and just guys are going to stand around and space. And then they'll just be able to <laughs> shoot threes. Like that's just not, that's not how it works. Um, yeah. You know, you can't just draw X's on a thing and just like, and just hope the guys can stand there a critical. I mean, you can, if like, but you can do that. If the first guys be able to beat his defender and the first yeah. guy can beat his defender re require help defense in some way or require recovery defense that the, in, in some ways, basketball is a game of inches like that, right? Because the inch that it, uh, someone comes on the help is the inch that the next guy down the chain or the next two guys down has mm -hmm. in terms of space to be able to shoot. Cameron Johnson being able to put it on the deck and be able to try to get by some defenders is critical to that. So even if he doesn't get to the basket all the time, we have to see a motion offense re that is built a little more on these guys beating their first defenders or at least pressing the first defender so that the ball movement can come as a result. Does that make sense? Like yeah, it's just, yeah. and and, I, and again, like I, I thought we saw it the most in the Miami game, which is like, Hey, why does it look like the spacing's better? It looks like the spacing's better because of what happened three moves before mm -hmm. with the guy, with someone taking the first guy off the dribble. You know, those, I, I wish I knew what these things were called and visual aid isn't going to help you on YouTube. Those little, uh, those colorful contracting and expanding, you know, science spheres that you could, you collapse into a tiny little ball. Yeah, and Dwight, you, Dwight uses one in the office where he says, I've resorbed my twin. Yeah, yeah. yeah there you go. <laughs> the, the Brooklyn Nets are using a bit of a Dwight K. Schrute resorbing your twin mentality on offense. To your point about taking yeah. your first defender, I think it's about that, forcing the defense to contract down a little bit and then try to come back out to you, right? When you talk about the perimeter shooting, it can't just be wait, wait 
find me and I'll knock it down. There needs to be a couple different phases to this. And I, I will take away very positives from that last preseason game, knowing that Jock Vaughn came out after, specifically when asked about Mikhail Bridges, but it applied team-wide. He said, we're just running kind of shell. We're running shell stuff here. We're not running specific plays or designing things specifically for Mikhail Bridges to be successful. So I think you start to, you start to look at the breadcrumbs and say, okay, you're giving me you know, sample sizes, little glimpses that suggest you have a sense of where you want to go. We can make a case that the chalk Vaughn was like, I'm just running. Don't worry about well, that. You know, I was just going to say, like, don't you think that was weird? I read that quote, too. I was like, well, that's weird. <laughs> I was like, well, well, I mean, maybe it's like a little cat and mouse thing, and maybe you don't want to give anything away. I don't think yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think teams are going to like go crazy scheming for the Nets this year. But I was like, I don't know, maybe like run one thing. <laughs> I like the <laughs> idea. Yeah, I like the idea that Jock Vaughn, like, he was like, we look at Mikhail kind of like your LeBrons, like your Curry, like your Lucas. We don't really need to dial in on any specific plays, even with some new parts. We feel like good about thing. what we got. Yeah, it was such a weird, was very weird to see what He says, um, "Game one, you know, game one post game. If it doesn't look so great, be like, you know, looking back, that shell operation we ran just not as strong as it could have been. Now, maybe um, we should have run a. Maybe we should have run a play. I don't know. Like, that's <laughs> weird, guys. Guys, guys, back off. All right." I've barely even groomed my beard this season. Now, uh, when we talk about, we'll get, I want to get to the defense here in a second too for Cameron Johnson and what that means. But I'll reiterate when you go over and look at like you know some of the on on off court numbers. It's funny, man. Everybody on the court together, you'd be shocked to know that Cameron Johnson, Ben Simmons, Mikael Bridges, Nicholas Claxton, Spencer Dinwiddie played a lot of minutes together last year. Even though we don't think about Ben Simmons really being around a ton or being the same player. Now, that group played to a net, a net negative rating, 109-116 split. But when you take Nick Claxton off, and I'm not singling him out to say, oh, this is what it should be, but we've already discussed how that could be a little bit different. The Cameron Johnson impact with Bridges and Dinwiddie and Simmons, that's a plus 4.7, 119-114 split over a 1,000-minute sample size last year. Like, that's a big enough sample size to say that this can be successful. It's going to be about integrating some new tent poles for that and I think the big impact there, when you see the defensive number, you like that, hey, this thing can be trending in the right direction and seeing that the offense can be efficient on that end of the floor, too. Yeah. And look, if you think about it, even without running, with just running like, quote, shell stuff, <laughs> even without running plays. Yeah. Over the course of the preseason, they still did. I mean, the, the three point shooting, even without Cameron Johnson, was really, really good. They were ranked first overall in three point efficiency. 43. Yeah. They shot four, by, by a lot, by the way, like 43.8% uh, from three. I mean, again, that's all some second unit stuff. Lonnie Walker shot the heck out of the ball. I mean, he's going to play. So this does count. But 43.8%, um, yeah. the next closest in the five games was the Timberwolves 40.7%. So they were a solid 3% higher than the next uh, next closest team. So you really like to see that. It tracks a little bit. We knew they had some shooters on the team. Now, the problem, as I will – I mean, I don't even know if it's a problem, but it's, it's probably some of the problem, is that their volume was much lower. So, like, while they were super efficient, they shot, like, the sixth, oh, 18th most, the 18th mm. uh, highest uh, three-point percentage. So it's like, okay, good efficiency, but we need to take more. Like, for the Nets, the, need, the Nets need to be in, like, that top 10 range. It's just, the, I think, the way that they're really structured right now, they need to be – top i mean at least top half uh in terms of overall volume so and and that's what johnson brings right they're just going to take more three-point attempts i think with him on the court i think that there's that's not a hot take i think if you just replace him with really anybody you know even with cam thomas who we saw struggle with the catch and shoot stuff and just like taking them mm. with the with the first team um i think you're going to see that volume increase so Good nine from the three-point shooting perspective, from the efficiency standpoint, love to see it. We'll want them to go in 
if I have one thing that I think he's going to help them improve on is that number climbs up, you know, into the 15th to 12th range or something like that. Maybe not that much, but he's just going to help them take more. And then he's going to be able to, you know, and he's obviously a two way guy too. Does that make sense? Like I, I, when I saw when I, I was shocked by the three point efficiency when I saw it, I was like, Holy cow. I thought I knew they were making these, but not to the clip that was like outpacing the rest of the NBA in preseason. Yeah, we, when we've talked about this all offseason, everyone, you know, if you're a Nets fan, you know that the three-point shooting is going to really matter. So the fact that they were able to do it, you mentioned Lonnie Walker, maybe, you know, gives you a little bump there. But but Spencer Dinwiddie looked good in the preseason games here, knocking some shots down from the outside. Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, right? Like th- those, those guys all hit their mark on that. And I'll even throw in with Cameron Johnson when we talk about him being the player, you know, a step above other guys in that type of role. I'll make it akin to Spencer Dinwiddie. When he's out there on the floor, we already saw in some preseason games where Dinwiddie was utilizing his passing, right? Saying, okay, I have this both-and role. I'm going to be sometimes a secondary ball handler here, maybe primary. I'm going to knock down these perimeter shots, but I need to be ready, like we talked about before, collapsing and expanding defenses to make sure I'm moving that ball around the perimeter. I think that I said this earlier in the offseason, and hey, this is one this is a mini mound. Maybe it's an anthill that I'm going to die on. I think Cameron Johnson's game is far more well-rounded than people have given him credit for based on what you saw in Phoenix and what the expectations were. We said this at the time of the contract. It it is indicative of an organization that believes this player has more. There is more to his game that was not utilized because it wasn't needed as much. Hey, you're going to be mostly a 3 and D type of player. Now you're a 3 and D player and you're a little bit on-ball creative and you have a little bit of court vision. So I also think that that tandem, whether it's Nick Claxton, Ben Simmons, those guys being out there, again, outside in, if you're going to collapse the defense and get it to the perimeter, everyone's first concern concern with Cameron Johnson is going to be the three-point shot, and that's when he can take you off the dribble, get at the basket, or also distribute to others. So I, I that that's what it feels like. He represents what the, the, the Nets believe they can do collectively, is we all can do a little bit, you know, our, our key role and a little bit more. And if everyone hits those marks, then this team can be successful. And and just real quick a note, I totally agree with you. And a quick note of the defense is that you know we saw them play more drop coverage. He'll be if the with him on the court, they're going to utilize just more of a switching scheme also, which I think is what they ultimately want to do. And he just allows them to be able to defend you know two through four really well with in a pinch getting into like some of the bigger guys. He's probably it's easier for him to go up than down, I think. But the and just in terms of like overall switching schemes, I think the Nets, as much as we saw some experiments with drop, uh, it's pretty obvious. I think their core their core scheme and identity is going to be with switching and Cameron Johnson is just as good at that too. And, um, and that's going to be really, really important for them in the season. So we kind of like undersold the defense. I mean, you talked about it a little bit more than I did, but the, we under, we didn't talk as much about the defensive impact, but that will be there as well. And as I will say from a personal note, as a guy who has way too much exposure to Cameron Johnson and best ball contest this year, <laughs> there I <laughs> I just ended up draft. This is not a fantasy show. You listen to Red Rock uh, over Locked On Fantasy for for all this stuff. But I did mm-hmm. a ton of best ball stuff this year. And if you look at my if you look at my percentage breakdowns of guys. I was looking at the other day. I was like, okay, I'm like, you know, a bunch. I'm at 50 now. There's a lot of, I have a lot of entries in this stuff. My exposure was like 60% camera shots. I think it was higher maybe. It was like, it was some <laughs> insane number. And I was like, I don't know if this is homerism, probably some, or if it's just like, I sometimes when you know a team, you can understand how a guy's role is going to grow and expand. And I actually think that that was bred on that. It's like, hey, the role can't just help but go up here. 
and the situation lines up better for even better for him this year than it did last year. Um, yeah. So anyway, I'm 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 rooting for the, I'm, I'm rooting for Cameron Johnson on multiple fronts here, nets and uh, financial. No, you better believe it, man. It's why, like, we were, you know, pushing back on people against Nick Claxton over the years, right? Because you're watching him every day. When you see a yeah. player in front of you, it's why I, I told Josh Lloyd. He said, what's the lineup going to be? Who's your backup five? I said, Dayron Sharp, buddy. And he said, wow, I'm shocked by that. I said, you won't be. Just, you also, I mean, we told him a lot. We got, I mean, Ben Simmons starting. We had that one. We, we predicted, like, that. we thought that was going to happen, right? Like, hey. Hey, sorry that we're always right. <laughs> oh, oh, excuse me for being horribly attractive and incredibly smart. I don't know what to tell you guys. It's just the start of the season. <laughs> and for having and being hilarious and have a great personality. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Bless him. Right, get out of here. Blessings to his wife and my girlfriend. How lucky are they? We can get out of here. And I think the big takeaway from this episode is we're the best. All right. So we're <laughs> going to get out of here. We're <laughs> a couple things. Make sure you obviously uh, visit our friends over at game time, visit our friends over on FanDuel, then visit us mm-hmm. over on subtext, join subtext.com slash locked on nets. This is just the ongoing conversation. I was having a good conversation with a subtext listener there, or sorry, user there, Dave Lawrence. And we're actually going to use something that he asked in uh, one of our upcoming episodes. So make sure you join subtext.com slash locked on nets. Two other things um, just going into the season, because we're really on the, on the uh, precipice here. There's going to be a couple of different formatting things that going on with the podcast this year. And we've already started instituting it. If you're a YouTube listener, great news. We're going to be doing live post-game stuff over on YouTube following probably every single game this whole season. Definitely first game. And I mean, out of the 82, I'd say we're probably good for at least 80, if not all 82. So live podcasts um, are going to be going up on YouTube after the show. Conversely, we have bonus episodes going up on the podcast feed, one of which, if you're only listening on YouTube, you got to go to the podcast feed because we did a bonus episode over the weekend where we did predictions for the NBA season. So it really pays. It's all free to you. It really helps us also for you to be subscribed on both. So wherever you listen to the podcast, subscribe to Lockdown Nets. You're getting exclusive stuff there. Wherever And then over on YouTube, you're getting exclusive stuff there as well. So subscribe both places. We'll also be running a small contest. Which two games out of the 82 do we not show up for in a post? I'll tell you which ones they are right now. They're the West Coast ones. (laughs) (laughs) The latest latest time and work your way back from there. I Don't even have to guess. (laughs) (laughs) That, uh, by the way, the deeper the journey into inner space is the further the possibilities in outer space. That's Tommy Lee Jones' brother, Curtis Tyrone Jones. I thought you were going to say Blossom. Or uh, something from Full House. That sounded, <laughs> that sounded, it sounded like a little more not sitcoming. No. Oh, sorry. It was a scientist. Got it. All right. We're going to get out of here. We're going to get it. <laughs> I don't know what I said. That. All right. We're going to get out of here. Make sure. Uh, what, how do I usually end the podcast here? Oh, yeah. We'll be back again all this week. And starting tomorrow, we're talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball. <laughs>